Just look at the fucking bums you hang around with. What is nothing? Hey, now that's deep. What in the fuck are we doing here? What is something? That's deep, bro. Oh, welcome to That's Deep, Bro. I'm your host, Christina P. Thank you for downloading this episode. Uh, some business. First of all, Salt Lake City, Utah, I'm heading there this weekend. Tickets are moving really fast. We don't have that many left. I believe the first show Saturday is almost sold out and uh, Friday, I think. I don't know. I'm only doing four shows. So February 2nd and 3rd, Salt Lake City Wise Guys Comedy Club. And then February 23rd, Calusa Casino, Calusa, California. One show. One show. I'm bringing Maryland Rice Cub with me. We're going to have fun. And then March 30th and 31st, Portland, Oregon at Helium Comedy Club. And those tickets are moving too. Christina P. Online is where you're going to get them. Uh, <laughs> okay. Try it out. Get them online. See me. Okay. Amazon, you know that. And uh, and that's it, man. I think that's all I got uh, in terms of that. All right. Okay, let's get into it today, guys. I got a lot of great emails that I'm going to read. You know, thinking about stuff, getting into it, getting deep. Every week is deep, bro. You know, we live on this earth and uh, I'm constantly, I'm just marveling at existence all the time because isn't it fucking surreal? Isn't it bananas that of all the millions of sperm in your dad's smunk bunker and all the eggs in your mama's and your slut mom's body that you came to exist. You, you and your body and your shape and your form with your thoughts and your feelings and your, and your farts and your burps and your queefs. You, you came to exist and it's all so miraculous. And then you're also going to slowly decompose and die. So there you go. Let's get into it. I love this song. Uh, I heard this this morning on my Pandora. I think I was born 10 years. I was born 10 years too late. I do think I was born 10 years too late. I should have been a punk rocker in the, in the era of, of punk. You know, I missed it. I missed it by a fucking, oh man, what did I get? I got fucking grunge. Boo. All right, let's go.
Can you hear it? Can you hear the distrust of the government? Can you hear hating Margaret Thatcher? She's not for us, that Thatcher. See, I was born 10 years too late. I love that shit. I think I was meant to be like an angry English uh, punk rock girl somewhere in like Bromley. Is that, is that the name of the place? Bromley where Susie Sue lived and all these punkers. And I can see myself... Uh, you know, just fucking wilding out and hanging out with Joe Strummer and in some dilapidated apartment. <sighs> Man, yeah. Instead, I got fucking Green Day, <laughs> Pearl Jam, <laughs> all these kind of second generation uh, punker, punker stuff. I but I, you know, I like to keep it one hundred. I keep it reals. <laughs> so stupid. Uh, you know, I've been thinking a lot, a lot of stuff has been floating around in my brain. I sent my kid to preschool for the first time yesterday. Holy moly. That is a, um, I think it's more anxious for me. I'm so full of anxiety about him going to school more so than he is. Uh, he loved it. He was running and playing and just getting in the mix and I'm, I'm up at night. Just, uh, oh, is he going to be okay? Oh, what if the teacher's too mean to him? What if he's going to be emotionally scarred forever? What if, what if they don't give him his lunch and he starves to death between the hours of 9 and 12? He doesn't get enough snack. What if he asks for water and they don't know because he says it weird? He says, ah, oh, why he doesn't say water? How will they know? <laughs> but... Uh... So thinking about that, that's floating around. Um, big change. That's a big change, you know, when they civilize the savage toddler because they are savages, you know. They they come out, they think they're connected to you, they realize they're not, that they're independent beings. And then, and then comes the push for autonomy, which is quite wonderful and quite normal. And uh, But then they're savage. They are crazy. They want to pull down everything and destroy, destroy, destroy. Like true, true punk rockers. They are putting a brick in it every minute of every day. And your job is just to keep your house intact to some, some presentable level. I mean, listen, I, I can only give so many fucks about how clean my house is. If you came over right now, if you came over and looked in my kitchen Right now, you would see um, pancake batter just strewn on the floor, on the cabinets, because I let him mix uh, pancake mix on Sunday. He threw it everywhere, of course. I, I, I made the mistake of handing him a thing of cinnamon and walking away for 30 seconds, and all the cinnamon was in the bowl, and then all of, everything in the bowl was on the floor, on him, on the dog's head. Every, just everywhere, bro. I, Seinfeld has this great joke. He goes, having a toddler is like having a blender with no lid. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? But, you know, you got you to gotta civilize the savage. That's, that's what this is about. And, you know, and the, um, the nonconformist in me, I don't like education. I don't like, I don't like so many things about the education system. Now I'm very pro-education. I believe in getting a formal education, as I've said on this show. I do not poo-poo of book learning, proper grammar, diction, not addiction, but proper diction, proper grammar, mathematics, science, history, uh, all philosophy, of course, art, 
culture, humanities. I am a huge advocate of being formally educated. I don't understand why people don't enjoy college unless you're so fucking poor and your parents are not helping you, in which case college is not fun. (laughs) But if you're if you're blessed enough to be middle class, upper middle class, and your folks aren't total shitheads and they send you to college or pay for part of it or whatever, um, it's the best, dude. It's just, it's fucking four years of drinking and hooking up and reading books you'll never have the time to read again in your adult life. Let's be real. And thinking cool thoughts and uh, and experimenting and, and it's a safe environment to do all that shit. So, but you got you to tame the savage toddler because of higher functions, right? We can't just be pulling down shit constantly and immediately gratifying our our base needs at all times. Otherwise, we are just part of the animal kingdom. So you must teach the savage toddler language, impulse control. You must teach them how to sit quietly in order to nurture the higher human faculties of making art or, uh, or, or, or writing a poem, right? So, but in the meantime, mom is having heart attacks over watching them civilize her savage. Because <laughs> at home, let's be honest, two comedians raising, <laughs> raising a kid, we're not the most disciplined home, okay? Uh, my problem is that I see the kid, the kid got into my red lipstick, and I mean red. Like, you got, if you've seen me live, I wear a color that is so saturated because I'm up there for an hour talking and it's got to stay on my face. I buy, it's called Smashbox. The brand is Smashbox. It's, um, it's made for camera and film, right? It's like TV, more film makeup company. And boy, that stuff will stay on me until the next morning. I'll wake up in another town or, or here and I'll still have red lipstick on because that's the kind of level, excuse me, you got to go when you're on stage. So that's the lipstick my kid got into. The the color is infrared, so it's a blue-red. It's <laughs> it's a very deep saturated red. And I look over, of course, it's, it only takes 30 seconds. And when there's silence, you know something is, is brewing. Whenever the toddler is quiet, some shit's going down. And I just fucking sitting on the couch with Tommy, and I'm like, ah, that's 30 seconds of silence. Let's go see. And of course, in the hallway, he's painting my stark white wall with my red lipstick. It's, and it's just all over his hand. It's all over his shirt. It's all over the face. It's, all, it's just everywhere. And man, my first impulse is not anger, unfortunately, which I think as a parent, it kind of should be. Because I don't, I don't give a fuck about stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I can afford white paint. I'm just going to go. I don't give a shit. Go ahead, man. It's funny. To me, it's funny. Uh, my husband doesn't think it's funny then. I think it's funny. <laughs> My first impulse is to laugh. That's the fucking problem. Is I'm not I'm not like a disciplinarian, man. I think it's I think it's all creative and whatever, but you know, I scrubbed I had to scrub that wall for a minute to get that shit off. It came off. See, that's that's my rationale. I just go, yeah, but you know, who gives a shit? We'll just clean. I don't fucking care. I'm sure in like four years I'll be like, all right, <laughs> four years of cleaning and uh and this this fun attitude will end. I know, I know, I know, god damn it. But um <clears throat> We had Bill Burr on your mom's house the other day, and he made a really good point that I just, I, it's stuck in my, in my butthole this whole week, really, because we recorded it last week. 
uh, he was talking about in the stand-up world how we're we're old, right? You know, my husband, Bill, myself, we're in our well, and not Tom, but he looks like he's forty-five, which is fine. But we're essentially the older people, right? We're supposed to be the lame ones. We're supposed to be doing acts that are. Wow, take my wife, please. I could, you know what I'm saying? Like we're the lame. We're supposed to be the lameos of today, and there should be a bunch of 20 year old comedians right now who are just kicking ass, taking names, you know, making fun of us, calling us lame and stuff. Now, unfortunately that's kind of not happening. And Bill said very thoughtfully that, you know, actually we're the ones that are the truth tellers right now. And the younger kids are like, Oh wow. You know, it's a role reversal. It's a generation reversal. Um, Cause we should be the dinosaurs that are exiting uh, the the stand up world and this is so true because when I was growing up it was the younger it was Steve Martin who was cool and he was maybe thirty or Robin Williams was like the up and coming young whatever fuck face guy who everyone liked um, but now the elder statesmen are saying shit right the Joe Rogans your Bill Burrs your Tom Segura's your whoever anyone at the comedy store on any given night that I'm doing stand up with Greg Fitzsimmons. Ali Wong, my beloved Ali Wong, my sister Ali Wong, um, all of us, all of us are saying shit that is is considered subversive um, or whatever or out there or edgy. And, and, and I'm like, really? Is it? And what happened? And so I started thinking about it because I think Bill's observation is very astute. Um, and what happened? And why is this? Why is it that we are the general? We should be mocked at this point and we're not. And and then I did for Craig Ferguson's serious show yesterday, and he and I were discussing uh, this generation as well. Now, before I before you guys uh, completely ha- hate me, let me preface this by saying, for those of you who don't know, I do not hate millennials. I'm not of the, the ilk of just disregarding an entire generation because they like their iPhones. I think that's really short-sighted and and narrow-minded and silly. Like, I, I don't think all millennials are are lazy or dumb or just looking at their iPhones. I don't, I think that's really reductive and silly. And I don't think any generation as a whole can be lumped up to that. But however, I do see a trend in what Craig Ferguson called yesterday when I did his show, um, kind of a puritanical streak running through society. There's a, a puritanical streak and I, I don't... And I, and I want to, I don't know if it originates in the millennials and I, I think it is because I was kind of Googling articles about this because I thought, wow, what a perfect word that Craig Ferguson used. He said, it's a, it's fair. They're very puritanical. It's the new puritanism. And I thought, oh, that's, that's exactly right. It, it feels like Hester Prynne and her scarlet letter, doesn't it right now? It, it feels a little... Uh, if you haven't read the Scarlet Letter, guys, come on. It's a really interesting read. It's <laughs> the, first of all, you're supposed to read the Scarlet Letter sometime in high school, and it is quite possibly the most fucking boring book uh, I ever... I, I, I barely could eke through that uh, atrocity, but you know, you got to read it because it's a thing on freedom of speech. Same with 1984. You had to read that. You had to read The Handmaid's Tale, all these books. At least I did. I don't know what this generation's reading. Catcher in the Rye. These were all, these were all mandatory books, interestingly enough, right? Um, my generation had to read. Why? Because 
the generation that taught us these lessons grew up in a very conservative era of the 1950s, and they lived through the 1960s when the civil rights movement happened and women's liberation came, and society opened up. Because they remember a time when speech was completely... um, you, you know, uh, uh, when they, the you know they had those communist lists, right? The black lists. Is that what they called them in the United States? Who's that fucking nutbag? I can't remember his name now. Who was ferreting out the communists um, in our country? God, which why can't I remember his name? And he would blacklist certain comedians or actors or directors. No, oh, it's killing me that I can't remember. But anyways, um, and there was a, essentially a witch hunt that took place in the 1950s to find the communists that were living in America. And, uh, and yeah, and, 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 and to some extent it, that feels kind of what's happening right now. Now, um, there was no corrective in the witch hunts of the hunting out the communist. There's no reason other than paranoia or whatever. Uh, now I will say the sexual assault stuff, it, it's absolutely mandatory in society as a corrective measure that we, we find these creeps that are excuse me, abusing women, abusing men, abusing boys, abusing little girls. Yeah, totally necessary. And I think the corrective is, is necessary. And it's so, it's so forceful right now because, uh, those voices have been ignored for so long. I mean, literally up until now, 2018, you would be like, Hey, this guy raped me. Well, what were you wearing? (laughs) Uh, you know, that that whole culture uh, has dominated, and so we're fucking pissed. Now, on the other hand, there's also a thing going on where there's no due process, right? You simply have to say, hey, so-and-so did this, and now that dude's life is just annihilated. In, uh, gone. Just gone. I did that. You did this, and now it's gone. Um, now, with Louie, we know that he admitted to doing stuff, and yeah, but... I don't know. I I mean, look, criminal law from the two weeks I was in law school is codified, right? (laughs) I was in law school for two weeks. And uh, and you learn about first degree murder, second degree murder, right? Uh, Lying in wait. You learn about misdemeanors. You learn about felonies. You learn about all these things that are called codified law. Why? Because things have gray. There's so much gray in the world. In fact, most of it is gray. There's so little that operates in black and white. And the older I get, the more that makes perfect sense to me. And so now there needs to be uh, a corrective that way of like, okay, look, yes, Louis did this or Aziz or whomever, whatever. Do we want their entire lives destroyed? Do we want this guy to have to go live in France with all the other perverts uh, you know, with the uh, 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 the Woody Allens and the, <laughs> the the other Polanskis, whatever creepos. Or do we go, hey, you know what? This guy needs to be punished. Great, let's punish him. Well, how are we going to punish him? Well, let's give him a good shaming. Yeah, shaming's good. Everyone likes a good public shaming, right? How about a scaffold? Yeah, let's draw and quarter him. Yeah, <laughs> some kind of punishment. You know, that's what the law does. It seeks to repair damage, maybe in monetary means. That's what, that's basically what the law is. This is what kind of why I dropped out. Uh, the idea that you may use money to make someone whole again, that's what they teach you in law school. You're just making somebody whole. Okay. Uh, some drunk driver hits, hits you, kills your husband. 
Uh, and he's to make you whole by giving you money because that's a resource that's going to hurt the person that did the thing and supposedly uh, a resource that's going to make you whole because that, that definitely repairs the damage, right? Money. Uh, but anyways, yeah. But do we have to just fucking... So anyway, there's this culture, this hysteria, this puritanical streak uh, fostered by social media, fostered by people who'd feel powerless, fostered by fucking creepers in the dark, these cowards who would never say their shit to your face, but rally it up on Twitter and demand that you be fired, demand that you be decimated, demand that you be punished. And uh, it's all kind of blindly done on social media, you know, it's not done face to face. And, uh, and I think us older people, the elder statesmen of the world get nervous because, uh, Hey, my parents lived through communism. My parents lived in a communist country where there was no freedom of speech, where simply being accused of something was enough to warrant your death, uh, your death by the communist party. They would come and take people away in the middle of the night uh, sometimes children would turn in their parents because they were told to do so in school. Now, all this sounds like a uh, a crazy novel, right? <laughs> like, yeah, that, yeah, right. It's fiction. No boo-boos. No boo-boos. No, this happened in the 1950s and 60s in Hungary. Where's Hungary? What's, what do you mean? <laughs> it's, uh, it's a beautiful country in Central Europe, right? And... Uh, and uh, the Germans fucked it up in World War II, and then the, Ru- the Russians came after the Germans and took it over with com- a system called communism. And they annexed all of Eastern Europe and Central Europe, and they built what's called it's a metaphorical Iron Curtain. And they imposed their way of government and life on all these different cultures and all these different people. <laughs> so it was really a clusterfuck and they forced you to learn Russian and they took away religion and they took away your food because the government was corrupt and you had to stand in line for toilet paper and bananas and all that shit. But the point is it fucking happened. It just happened. If you blink your eyes in the span of history that j- my parents lived through it, not my grandparents, my immediate mummy and daddy lived through a regime like this. And the reason us older people get nervous is because it's exactly repeating itself today. The culture is identical. It is ripe for its fear-mongering. We're going to build a wall, which we did that. Remember that? The Berlin Wall? Remember that wall? That didn't work. Uh, So there's a lot of scapegoating. Is it the Jews this time? No, no. It's those nasty immigrants. Oh, the brown people. Okay. So there's a lot of the same echoing. And the reason we get our panties in a twist is the puritanical youth or whatever. They, I understand that they don't want to, they want to reform society. So that's, that's the other side. I get that. Like, Hey, we want to stand up for people who are marginalized, transgendered, people of color. Totally. I respect that. I think that that's wonderful, but then they don't allow speech. The speech is discouraged on the gray areas. Totally. Right. We have to totally decimate the perverts, totally decimate uh, people that are speaking out. And, uh, and we remember a time people my age where doing that led to really disastrous shit. So I don't know. I mean, this is just all stuff I have floating around in my in my mind right now. And uh, and I'm not saying millennials are bad, please. I think you guys are uh, wonderful in in standing up for feminism and for uh, people of color and and people of different gender identities and all. It's totally necessary. It is totally necessary. 
but I do get nervous uh, when you're shouted down and we're not allowed to even say shit. And, and especially in comedy, I felt it. I felt it in the last 10 years grow really spooky when uh, you got to walk on a really fine line right now. People are really overly sensitive to shit that is just ridiculous. It's not even a... <laughs> and usually comedy goes the other way. Where if you listen to something in the 1960s, listen to Lenny Bruce and the stuff he's saying, you're like, okay, that's not even so. We've done that idea. So, and the fact that we're looking back at comedy 10 years ago and going, oh my God, can you believe? I listen to George Carlin now and I'm like, oh man, the shit he was saying in 08, he died in 08. The man, he, he was saying shit 10 years ago that it was considered completely inappropriate, completely politically incorrect. And it really, at the time, you're like, yeah, that's what everyone was doing. So we are going backwards. This is not a a hysterical fucking bullshit thing. We are, oh, actually moving backwards. Yeah, because I'm not one for hysteria. I don't don't buy into a lot of uh, bullshit stuff. But I've, I've been watching, guys... I've been watching and I've been paying attention and I, uh, I, oh man, I guess I, you know, I think it is younger people don't remember a time when you couldn't say sh- stuff and that, that was very corrosive to society. Maybe that's what it is. I don't fucking know. The point is read your fucking books. Come on, people. Humans have existed for thousands of years and they've written it all down in the form of books, words, language. This is why you learn language to become a higher functioning human than you are. Uh, than the animals and uh, we're just we seem to have completely forgotten everything in history and it's just repeating it's just fucking cycling and it's terrifying to be this young and seeing it happen all over again it's like man anyways uh, because of that I'm gonna go way harder on um, the shit that I say on stage and um, and the shit that we talk about here because I think it's absolutely necessary and uh, and uh, you know who gives a shit? I'm not doing anything illegal. Not yet, anyways. Not until the thought police uh, come and get me. Double plus good. Okay, let's get into it. I'm so winded. Do you hear me being winded? <laughs> uh, that's part pregnancy and then part part uh, sickness. It's really fun. Okay, what's this one? Okay, I get. I get. What's so funny? It all comes in cycles. I've been getting emails about a lot of similar shit. You guys are all going through stuff at the same time, but I like the tone of this one because this is. Tell me if this doesn't sound like you're in your twenties. Oh my god. <coughs> okay, I've had a strange time in the past year and a half. To cut a long story short, I fucked up, and my girlfriend and I broke up, and then I lost my job in the same month. I've been hopping from Tinder relationship to Tinder relationship the past eight months, and just keep finding myself longing to find and understand what I like. I'm 23, and I don't know what hobbies I truly like, or even my sexuality. I'm not Zimzer, but I think I'm bi, and I just don't know how to deal with growing up, honestly. My question is, how did you find yourself and what advice can you give a young, tight, jeaned guy like myself? <laughs> okay. Much love, Carrie. You know, I, I think, I mean, I, I, I totally get the tone of this email and I think it's like, and it really bothered me when I was your age, when I was 23 and 
Like you just have these fucking fucked up thoughts and feelings and questions and there's nobody, there's nobody, there's nothing to answer it. And it's frustrating. So I'm just going to give you my take on it and, and you know, Hey, you're gonna do what you want to do. Clearly I don't have all the answers, man, but here's the truth. Guess what, Carrie? Uh, you're totally fucking normal. <laughs> Surprise. Don't worry about it. This is normal. This is called your early 20s. Do you realize that just a few years ago, you were a teenager? You were just a little baby teenager. Like you're not even a fully formed human. The adult brain doesn't form until 28. So you're still, your brain's not even fully formed. You're nowhere near an adult. So cut yourself some slack. Cut yourself a break. And that's what the 20s are, right? That's what the early 20s and the 20s are. It's about finding all this stuff about, uh, out about yourself. Some people are lucky. They know who they are pretty early. Uh, most people don't. Most people don't. Most people don't know what their sexuality is until they've experienced it. You, you try things. You don't try things. You, you see what fits. You see what works. And, and the key is to not get fucking judgmental and freaked out about it because you're going to make mistakes. You're going to hurt people. You're going to break up with people poorly. You're going to, you're going to fuck up. You're going to go from Tinder relationship to that's the whole point. And this is why so many older people will be like, don't get married in your twenties because you're still, some of us are still trying to figure things out. Now, are there people that have their shit figured out? Yeah. At 23. Yeah. And those people are happy getting married and doing grown-up shit because they've got it all figured out. Now some kids don't. And I think the kids that don't feel really screwed up. You feel like, well, what's wrong with me? And why is no one else going through this? Well, surprise, actually a lot of your peers are going through it, but they're also terrified uh, to come clean and tell you what they're going through because they may not be able to articulate it themselves. It's not because of, uh, it's nothing malicious. Maybe they're fucked up too. <coughs> and uh, it's normal. It's totally normal. It's normal to fail. It's normal to blow up the building. It's normal to hurt people in the process of dating because dating is a bloody, bloody sport. You're going to break people's hearts. People are going to step on your heart. Normal, normal, normal. Now, the only advice I can give you, my love, you don't say whether or not you're in school or if you've sorted that shit out. Do me a solid and just lay the foundation for a good adult life. What does that mean? Okay. As long as you're going through these trials and tribulations of being 23 years old, which is totally great, do yourself a favor and A, keep yourself out of crippling debt if you can. Consumer debt, I mean, not student loan debt. Consumer debt, right? Credit cards. What does that mean? Don't buy stupid shit on credit cards. That's number one. Uh, if you're broke, if you don't have money, keep your costs low, your fixed costs low. Live cheaply, live reasonably, live, live within your means. Try to get an education if you can, okay? I do believe in being formally educated. Knowledge yourself, as the rappers say. Read books, figure things out. Uh, but do, do, do not get hooked on fucking horrible drugs. 
You're going to party, yeah, in your 20s, but let's keep it to fucking within reason, okay? You don't want to sabotage yourself so that you're in a cycle of addiction or being broke or being a loser, okay? Get your fucking education. Don't be a weenie. Get your ass in school. Does that mean you have to go to Harvard? No. Does it mean you can go to community college? Yes. Does it mean you can just go to the fuck? Yes, yes. Online school. Whatever it is, get some kind of paper that in a few years you can go get a job at some respectable place. That's all I'm saying. Do you need to have the total college experience? It's not for everybody. No, but you do need to get some kind of insurance policy that you can be gainfully employed in the future. Even if that just means uh, maybe it's an apprenticeship to be a carpenter, a plumber, whatever. Do something with your life. Don't fucking sit on your ass and jack your dick all day crying about being 23. You do that on your off hours. So what you're going to do, my love, you're not sure what your sexuality is? Fucking try it out. Try it out. I don't know what town you live in, but I'm guessing like every town, there's a gay bar. And um, I watched friends in San Francisco, my, my male friends, a uh, very close friend. I watched go through this process of am I bi, am I gay, am I straight? I don't know. Well, here's what I've watched men do. Uh, go to the gay bars. Try it out. Sit at the bar, meet young friends. Meet other people, meet gay people, meet bi people, hang out with them, hook up with dudes, hook up with girls, hook them up, hook them up, hook them up, see what feels right, just do it. Uh, I I don't advocate online. I mean, you just, I I don't know why it's so, I think it's so dangerous, especially for young, beautiful people. I mean, you don't know who the fuck is going to show up, you know, creepers. Um, Men again, meeting people in bars. Is that necessarily safer? At least you can kind of see, get a a gauge on who you're talking to. You can read nonverbal cues, right? But you're going to try a bunch of shit. Here's what you're going to do, right? You're going to bang a bunch of people until you figure out what feels right. You're not going to judge yourself uh, too much. You're not going to fucking, if you don't have supportive family, so what? Who cares? Then fuck them. Don't broadcast what you're doing. Uh, just do it. Find people that do support you. If it's not your family, find friends that are supportive, find gay friends, bi friends, people in your community that you can, um, come out with that are going to support what you're doing. Um, because you know, if you are gay, if you are bi, if you're a Zimzer, that's a whole new culture you're going to have to learn, uh, to adapt to, right? Because if you are gay, you're going to have to learn how to date gay and you're going to learn how to be gay. And that's a whole process. Um, and you're going to have to learn that from your peers. That's what I've seen from gay dudes I've been friends with over the years is that it's a process that you learn from other gay men. They teach you how to be gay. Uh, so try not to judge yourself. Try to enjoy the ride. It is just a ride. Um, it's terrifying because you're, nothing else is established in your life. But that's why I'm telling you to uh, safeguard some of that stuff. Have some kind of a plan for your professional future, okay? I don't care what it is. Pick any fucking lane and stick to it. Uh, don't get on drugs. Don't get hooked on drugs. We covered that. <laughs> Find friends that are your allies. And move to cities that encourage gayness or zimzerness, okay? If you're telling me that you live somewhere, you know, in some tiny town where they hate gays, they hate different. Why are you doing that? Don't live there. Go live somewhere where they celebrate you, not where you're tolerated, right? Go find the gay communities that you feel safe in and that you can explore yourself in. 
uh, San Francisco is a great city to be gay in. And when I lived there, that apparently was the place. Uh, I know there's a handful of others. There's, there's communities. You must find them. All right. Good luck, my love. Try not to judge yourself too hard. I know it's, I know it's terrifying, especially for boys. It just feels like, <clears throat> it feels like the society really judges boys harder on being gay. It's, it's so fucking stupid. You know, people are always like, I wish I have a gay daughter. Hope I have a gay daughter. Not a gay son. It's like, okay, whatever. All right. Okay. I got this email uh, from this lady. She's turning 30. She's having a mini life crisis. Years ago, my husband and I moved to a different part of our state. Oh, Jesus. So complicated guys. Okay. So she got fired from her job. How does she get her life again? Before this happened, my husband and I decided we would start trying to conceive a child starting in 2018. We've been together for 10 plus years. Um, and to be at a point in our lives where we feel ready is a huge deal. Now that our future is unpredictable, meaning she's been fired, I feel as though our decision to move forward to become parents is completely in jeopardy. This has been even more devastating to me than losing my job. I have no idea what I'm going to do and have become completely lost. I won't be kicked out of my current job until the end of June, and after that I'll be eligible for severance and unemployment benefits. My husband has brought up the idea of trying for a kid now and using my benefits to stay home and then... Assuming <coughs> everything works out in that department, he seems to think at that point we'll, we will be financially be at a place that would allow that, but I am plagued by the what ifs. I'm not sure if we would be stable under one income since I bring in more than him. Also, mainly due to the fact that we are in student and car loan debt. What will I do after the benefits run out? Okay. At my core, I want a baby now and would love to be a stay-at-home mom. However, my rational brain kicks in and I'm not entirely sure we can afford that. And that makes me want to hold off on kids until the dust settles. Another part wants to be a beastly driven career woman. I'm thinking about other jobs. I love a career change and I've always wanted to work with animals and be happy, but I'm concerned about the pay, which would be considerably less than a job that uses my degree. I've also applied to a couple of corporate drone jobs, the company I was fired from, and I'm uncertain how happy I would be in these roles. And the idea of daycare. A part of me wants to write it out and let the chips fall where they may. Anyway, any thoughts, insights? Oh my gosh, you are in a midlife crisis. Okay, look, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to tell you some shit that nobody's going to fucking tell you. (laughs) Because bitches be lying about motherhood, about kids, and I don't know why Americans are fucking so uptight about telling people the truth about life and shit. I mean, look... (laughs) Children are joy. Children are a wonderful addition to a happy home life. Uh, they They are a blessing. They are miraculous. They are amazing. And they're even better when you can afford them. <laughs> I'll tell you, I enjoy my son so much more when I know that my nanny will show up in an hour to take him off my hands so that I can go get my shit done. I know that I enjoy him so much more because I don't have to stress about, oh God, I want to get him this book on Amazon, this cute little sound book, but can we afford it? I don't know. I don't have to stress about, do we afford diapers? Because I'm fucking 41. I'm old. 
I'm fucking old. And I waited a long time to have kids because I didn't want to feel trapped by them. I didn't want to feel resentful of my child. And how do you not feel resentful? You have fucking resources. What does that mean? Resources is a fancy word for money. Money. Children cost a lot of money. It is not the same as having a cute dog. <coughs> um, children are not the same. It's, it's, it's other level costs, guys. And, uh, and I know you're 30, and I know, man, when that biological clock starts ticking, it is relentless. And women, I know it. I've fucking been there. Your brain goes into, like, irrational overdrive, and there's no stopping it. And I understand but you must show a little maturity and restraint. In my opinion, this is just me. You live your life, dude. You're going to do whatever the fuck you want to do. You know, really, when I talk about it, I'm not even giving advice. I'm just telling you what, like, I've fucking seen in the world and what I think is going on, and you're always going to ultimately do what you want to do. So, like, who who fucking cares? What, you do what you want to do. This is just what I know of life so far. This is all I remember. I, these are just topics for me to tell you some shit that I've fucking figured out in my life. Uh, money. And if you don't have a lot of money, if you don't have the money for children, have a family, have an extended family. You have a grandmother that's so into being a grandmother and that's always there. You've got granddad, you've got aunts, uncles, cousins, people who provide the village because it does take more than mom. Even though mom is always a fucking default, let's be real. (laughs) You are in charge. Mom is the, the head of the household fucking period. Dad brings home more bacon. Yes. But mom dictates the tone. Mom dick. Mom knows. Mom knows when the fucking doctor's appointment are. Mom knows uh, what day the first day of preschool is. Mom knows what immunizations need to be done. Mom, not dad. Dad never fucking knows his shit. Okay. I don't care how evolved we are, how equal everything is. Fuck you. It's never going to happen because we're wired for different shit. I am wired to be consumed with this baby's well-being. Make sure that he uh, doesn't become a junkie. And, and to buy him the shit that he needs and to pay for his fucking good education. That's my role as his mom, right? You know why? I believe in education. So I told my husband, I, I don't, whatever would it, whatever, my priority is to give him a good private education. Fucking period. That's my priority. And that shit costs money. Okay? So, uh, you're, not, you're on the fence about whether you want to be a stay-at-home mom or not. I I would say give yourself the option to not, um, meaning find another job. Okay. Find another job. Um, find a job that pays well because your husband's not making the money or he should find a job that pays weller, (laughs) better. Um, tell him you need to make more money or I need to make the money. Someone needs to make the money or both of you need to make the money, but one of you is going to be the primary, uh, mom, the, the person in charge. Okay. And, you're on the fence. You're not sure. Because uh, really, and I think a lot of women don't know what goes into being a stay-at-home mom until they are one. And you're like, oh my God, <laughs> like I don't know if, I, if this is for me. Or it's something that they've always known they're destined to do. And when the time comes, they're thrilled to do it. And it's the right decision for them. I would always say, why not have an insurance policy on that? Meaning why I feel trapped into being a stay-at-home mom. Meaning go look for another gig. Go look for a gig that pays you well. Um, you do have to think about money now, boo-boos. If you're thinking about kids, sorry. Uh, <sighs> you know, working with animals would be fun, but 
I don't know, man. You might be so fucking tired from working with babies. Who's fuck the animals? You know what I'm saying? Find the shit that pays well. Your hours are flexible so that you're not working 14 hour days ignoring your kid. Because that's a thing too. Time is money. Time is very important with a child. Anyway, find the gig. And if you don't like the gig, stop or tell them you need to take maternity. Find the gig. Take your maternity leave. (laughs) I'm the worst employee, aren't I? I'm such a fucking dickhead. Find the place that's got the maternity package and then use it. And then if you don't want to go back, don't fucking go back. So what? But at least now you've got your, you can hedge your bets a bit and you're not so fucked. Excuse me. If stay at home is not what you want, you can go back to something rather than feeling more trapped now. Because believe me, once you've got the newborn and you're you're in the trenches of new motherhood, uh, you're probably not going to really be in the best frame of mind to look for a gig. Just because you're you're embarking on a brand new chapter in your life and it's very chaotic. So how much? I mean, how much more time will it take to find a new gig? Jesus fucking Christ! What three months max? You can wait three months before you get pregnant. It's not going to make or break your mommy. You know, you're only 30, so don't, don't fucking panic. Anyway, make as much money as you can. Hedge your bets. I know it's tempting to just go into it. I want it now. I want it now. Everyone wants it now, but you have to defer uh, the gratification. So there, I'm sorry. I hope that uh, I didn't just dream crush you, but... Um, yeah, don't don't ever poo-poo money, man, because you're going to feel way fucking trapped. You're going to really hate your life if you don't have options. And that's all I think money is. It's not, it doesn't make you better than anybody. It doesn't uh, solve all your problems, but it definitely gives you more freedom. It gives you more options. And, you know, if you can defer having a family till a later time, why not? Especially with science now. Freeze those motherfuckers. Freeze your eggs. Freeze embryos. Fuck it. Put that shit on ice. Take the pressure off of you until you can uh, afford kids and then uh, thaw those babies out. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> All right. Let's see. I think I have one more. Oh, goodness. No, not this one. Here, I, I have got, I've got a great one uh, about borderline personality disorder. I got a lot of these coming in. I wonder. I wonder. Is this it? Mom stuff? Well, this email came in. Um, basically, this girl has a mother who um, has borderline personality disorder, just like my mom did. And this girl's having a baby. And she remembers when I talked about wanting, feeling, the feeling of wanting a mom. <clears throat> and how did I deal with that? How did I cope with not having a mommy while I became a mom? And, um, she was asking me in this email, I'm I'm sorry, I don't want to fucking, let me just fucking, okay, I found it. Uh, this girl, so basically she's asking me, um, she writes, I know you mentioned that your mom died while you were pregnant and that you sometimes felt like you needed your mommy, just like everyone does sometimes. So no matter how bad, bad shit crazy she is, should I try to set up very firm boundaries or is it just not worth the hassle? After my last therapy session, my therapist really made me feel like I was strong enough to take it, but should I deal with her because I am stronger now? I don't know. So um, the question is, as with any of us that have mentally ill parents or addicted parents, do we set the boundaries or do we cut contact, right? That's, I, I think, what you're asking me. And you know, and I and I know your therapist is the best one, obviously, to answer this. I can't fucking tell you, you know, what to do, 
But it, it is really a matter of like how much poison you can take. Um, and for some of us, we're so we're so angry at our parents. We're so triggered by their nonsense that taking the phone call is not an option. Um, having them over is not an option because they are such a menace. They are so destructive to you and your family and to your well-being that it's just not an option. <coughs> now, I know there are people who are way less sensitive to their borderline parent, to their mom or whatever, and and can take the poison a little bit better. And um, I don't know if you ever watched that show, Shaws of Sunset, uh, but there's this girl, Mercedes, MJ. And MJ, I believe her mother, Vida, I would put money on it, is a borderline, if not just a narcissistic parent. And Vida is very abusive to MJ. She's constantly criticizing her. Please watch it. This episode I just saw was fantastic. Um, where she's like, Mercedes, you look tired. <laughs> of course, none of Mercedes' boyfriends are good enough. You know, t- typical fucking borderline mom shit. And Mercedes has chosen to stay in contact with her mother, Vida, for whatever reasons. And they have lunch, and the mother's terrible to her. And she's angry the whole time, and she's a fucking mess by the time lunch is over. But for whatever reason, she continues to put herself in the, you know, in the thing. So it really depends on your level of, you know, able to take the poison. And for me personally, I had two parents that were highly fucking toxic, highly just, I, and I'm an only child. I don't, I don't have um, a codependent sister. I really wish I had a fucking 400 pound codependent sister who just is obsessed with Channing Tatum and is just really enmeshed in like my parents' lives. Like, you need to go over there. Dad needs us. Like, yeah, yeah, no, go, you go, you go over there. (laughs) You talk to him, you listen to him. Um, you know, just like a sister that loves the show Fuller House and is just sweet. I'm not that girl. I'm not sweet. I'm not tolerant enough. I felt as I, I felt in my life, honestly, that I'd done my time <laughs> as an only child um, with these two lunatics. I had done my time. Uh, so by the time 30 something rolled around, I was like, you know what, dude, I'm out. I'm all good. I've done this. I can't. I physically, emotionally could not give another fucking ounce of my well-being to my mother. Uh, it, it just wasn't possible. So, you know, it's entirely up to you. Some people are able to maintain boundaries. What I would expect when you're maintaining your boundaries is pushback. Borderlines do not like boundaries. Um, expect her to be defiant. Expect her to test those boundaries. Expect her to be raging mad at you. Expect her to sabotage, try to sabotage. It's like, that's just what they do, dude. That's just the nature of the beast. So yeah. So if you can put down those boundaries while knowing that they're going to try to subvert them and and, um, you're in it, you're just in in a game for the, for the time being that you're in communication with them. Um, A helpful thing that you can do I mean, you can enlist your family to work as a buffer for these people. It's 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 really the amount of bullshit you can tolerate, quite honestly. 
until you can't take it no more. Um, and some of us are so desperate for a mommy and a daddy that we will tolerate a lot of stuff. And, um, you know, and I'm sad for you. I'm sorry. Cause it's, it's devastating. It really is devastating. It's very sad to realize you don't have, um, loving parents that you might have parents that are, that don't even really see you <laughs> that are too self-involved, too wounded themselves or whatever, whatever, whatever. Uh, the deal may be it's terrible um but yeah just know hey man there's there's only decisions in life there's really there's only decisions and then those decisions are laden with gray areas so you just go down the path that you can tolerate at the time and hey if you set boundaries with her and you decide i can't fucking do it anymore i want to go no contact for a couple years a year six months then do that you do what you do do what you want until you can't do it no more and that's it, bro. That's it. I'm sorry I didn't read your whole email. It is a bit long and I didn't want to um, get into it. But yeah, it's fucking terrible. Man. And I, I All right, I'm not going to get into it. Anyways, I must go. I'm going to go do Pilates, which is a nightmare. But I have to do it. I have to fucking do it because I'm older and I don't want to be frail. I don't want to be that old lady that's hunched over and frail. So... Love you guys. Email me. That's Deep Bro Podcast at gmail.com. And until next week, that's been Deep Bro. Now what? I don't know. Philosophize with Philosophize with Christina P, a.k.a. Miss Jeans This ain't your mom's house It's a different theme Gotta be critically thinking Like you caught up at a cocktail party Our thoughts start to sink in John Locke, or was it Socrates? Aristotle or Plato, maybe Hippocrates Got us talking all properly, topically Just a comedian discussing these philosophies Serious questions, silly people What's that? That's tea, bro it is the ultimate metaphor for life and you know what that is what that's deep bro that's deep bro that's deep bro